This podcast is brought to you by Alliance Motor Auctions. Has your car shit itself? Then you've got to go with Alliance. It's the easiest way to buy a quality car at a very competitive price. Located in Moorbank, New South Wales. Call 02-9822-7200 or visit www.allianceauctions.com.au South Coast Window Furnishings. Have your window furnishings shit themselves? Then you've got to get in touch with SCWF. They service the south coast of New South Wales from Wollongong to Bermagui. Give Jamie a call for a free quote on 0408 812 007 or like them on Facebook at South Coast Window Furnishings. Elite Sports Physiotherapy. Has your back or another part of your body shit itself? Then look no further than ESP. Established in 2006, Elite Sports Physiotherapy provides physiotherapy and massage services to the people of Melbourne. Located on the mezzanine level, 13-15-1 Freshwater Place in Southbank, Melbourne. Give them a call on 03-8640-0328 or visit elitesportsphysio.com.au today. Also, special thanks to verse.com.au for putting the finishing touches on this podcast. Cheers. Hi there. Hope you're well. My guest this episode is Tony Clarkson. Uh, Tony is the director of the Professional Development Centre at the Victorian Responsible Gambling Foundation. I had an issue with gambling about 10 years ago. Uh, Since I've stopped gambling, I've had a bit to do with different gambling help associations around Australia, one of those being the Victorian Responsible Gambling Foundation. I wanted to do this episode to bring to light just how serious problem gambling is within the community and to give people who might have a problem the confidence to seek help. This is Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Tony Clarkson, thanks for taking it easy with me today. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Daniel. How are you? I'm quite well. Thanks for having me in your lovely, uh, this is a meeting room, I take it here? This is one of our meeting rooms at the uh, the Victorian Responsible Gambling Foundation, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Lovely green wall. I like it. <laughs> um, so how did a man from Glasgow come to be the director of the Professional Development Centre at the Victorian Responsible Gambling Foundation? Uh, well, I'm glad you asked me that because it's actually a very funny story. Is it? No, it's not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's just um, basically, I uh, I worked in London for about ten years. Uh, yeah. So I worked as a um, as a therapist, and I worked with young people in London. So I worked with uh, kids who had been in foster care um, okay. in local government in London, um, and and then decided that we were going to come back to Australia because I'd been here about twenty years ago as a backpacker and did oh, all right. the usual East Coast yep. backpacking things, lived in Cape Tribulation for three months in, in a jungle and, and worked as a pizza chef. Excellent. <laughs> um, and then came back with my wife. Uh, slightly different when you come back uh, and you're sort of, you know, 44 and you've got two kids than, yeah. than when you're 18 and you're living in a jungle. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a sort of different experience now. Um, so came back to Australia and uh, started working as a gambling counsellor and had no yep. idea at all that... Um, that gambling was as prevalent or that the the issues surrounding gambling, the harm around gambling was as prevalent. Um, 
really didn't sort of notice it the first time round. Um, yeah. Again, because I was eighteen and not paying much attention to that mm. sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, so came back and worked as a gambling counsellor and um, uh, worked for Gamblers Help, um, and then worked as a, a manager, a clinical manager for Gamblers Help, um, and then a role came up at the foundation who uh, who fund Gamblers Help, and right. yeah, that's that's okay. sort of how I'm here. Is is there? A, um, do you know much about? Gambling issues in back home in is, is it? Uh, um, it's it's not a, a, as pronounced an issue, but it is um, becoming a, a, a right. big issue. Yeah. Um, in particular, with sports betting and online Absolutely, gambling, yeah. um, which I think are growing sort of faster than than a lot of other forms of gambling. I think I mean Australia uh, has has the <laughs> the unfortunate title as the as the the sort of head of the 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 mm. ladder top of the ladder top yeah. of the league table in, in terms of uh, gambling losses in the world. So yeah. it is a lot worse here than, than a lot of other countries. But um, yeah, it's definitely um, on the increase in, in the yeah. UK as well. Yeah, that leads me to my next question. The Victorian Responsible Gambling Foundation was created by the Victorian Parliament to address the challenge of gambling harm within the community. Is that getting harder and harder? On a year-to-year basis, because of how many gambling apps and how, how accessible it is to the public. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's look. It's definitely challenging. It's a big challenge, purely because of what you said. I mean, the gambling's pretty much um, it's it's available uh, to almost anybody, um, yeah. almost any adult um, in 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 the in the country so it can gamble 24-7 can gamble in a number of different sort of formats anyone who's got a mobile phone now can gamble um, yeah. uh, there's gambling available through uh, in, you know, a number of different sort of um, uh, mediums uh, so it is becoming a bigger issue We've got a, 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 a strong focus on on sort of prevention, though prevention, early intervention, and, and yeah. treatment. So, although it is becoming a bigger issue, um, the, the foundation spends a lot of time and and, and resources on on trying to tackle um, tackle things at sort of as early a stage as possible. Because right. obviously, we recognise that prevention is is yeah. is key. So, before you even download the app, you, you want to have that. You know, people aware that what could happen. Yeah, that's the that's the idea. The idea is that you know we have a, a very strong prevention program here, and um, uh, a lot of the prevention activities that that, that we run from uh, um, from our prevention team and that we fund through our different um, prevention projects are about educating people and about yeah. making people aware of the harm that's associated with gambling. Yeah. Um, so right right back to sort of school age, um, yeah. taking it taking it back to sort of year ten, eleven, and twelve, um, talking about uh, uh, how gambling is um, so widespread and 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 teaching people how to recognise some of the harms, recognise some of the issues that are associated with it. Yeah. So that's a large part of what, what we do in the prevention space. Yeah, I, I know I know. when I had um, I had an issue a few years ago um, for about a five or six year period and none of the apps were around then. It was mm. – and I was still gambling crazy. I could not imagine how, how bad I would have been mm-hmm. if I had that accessible, like that I wouldn't have to leave the house – yeah, and could just sign up and be betting within an hour. Yeah, and and also the free money that the a lot of the agencies like to give. You know, you, you down you deposit two hundred dollars, you get free two hundred dollars. That just is scary to think about. Um, are, are you noticing an increase uh, from year to year in the number of people contacting Gambler's Help? Yes, yeah. There's definitely um, there's definitely an increase in in the number of people that contact us. So people contact us through a number of different ways. They can contact us through uh, a helpline, um, which is national. Um, but they, we also have a youth line. People can contact us uh, just through their local gamblers help service. But um, the numbers are are 
gradually sort of increasing in terms of um, the number of clients that we see. Uh, so I think from uh, 2016, it was just over uh, 4,000. Uh, 2017, it's getting up closer to four and a half thousand okay. um so it's a, a lot of people are, are are contacting us for help and it's not yeah. just um it's not just gamblers so it's it's you know because we know that that roughly six people are affected by every person's gambling yeah. um then it's it's quite often family and friends it's quite often someone's partner it's quite often you know someone's right. um a family member like their father or their you know their, yeah. their daughter or whatever so it's it's an increasing number of people that are becoming aware of it and I think our services are starting to see more people who like I said aren't the gambler who right. are, are sort of affected others affected yeah, yeah. Uh, that four and a half thousand seems low to me it seems, I, I feel like for the amount of people that would gamble in Australia compared to and, and percentages of that you know would have a problem it seems like four and a half thousand is quite low do you, yeah, well, would um, you think there's a hell of a lot more people out there that, that haven't Oh, forward. definitely, definitely. There's, there's one of the bigger issues that, that um, affects people seeking help is stigma. The stigma associated with gambling is is arguably more pronounced, I think, than than with other uh, addictions, yeah. um, and even with with other issues like um, mental health or, or drug and alcohol. So, yeah. you know, I've seen people in counselling who've who've quite openly said to me, "Look, I would rather talk about a, a mental health issue or a drug and alcohol issue than I would about wow. gambling." Um, and there's a number of different reasons for that. You know, yeah. I think probably because of how. Um, how ingrained it really is in, in Australian culture. I mean, you know, you have a day off for a horse race, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is pretty shocking, really, coming yeah. from another country. You know, it's yeah. um, things like that are, are mean that, that gambling is 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 very much part of, of culture. So yeah. to kind of go against that uh, is is a difficult thing to do if you've if you've got a gambling issue. Um, yeah. You know, and yeah, I'm you know I'm sure you've sort of you've sort Absolutely. of experienced that yourself. Yeah, yeah. Good point there that you make that we're the, we're number one with the problem, yeah. and we have. Oh, we have a day off for a horse race. Yeah, well, I mean, I know yeah. you know Australia yeah. is a very competitive country. Yeah, that's yeah. the kind of <laughs> that's the kind of image abroad is that you yeah. know Australians are super competitive. Yeah. So it's just one more one more thing to be yeah. competitive in, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I didn't want to say anything when I was uh, gambling and had the problem. I uh, managed to create a quite a nice facade that everything in my life was fine mm. and that yeah, I was doing fine. I can totally understand how that stigma is attached to it. Is that is sort of breaking that the hardest thing for you when somebody to get someone to call it sounds like four and a half thousand to me as i said before it just sounds incredibly low i feel like there is tens you know tens of thousands of people yeah absolutely that, yeah that are afraid to come forward yeah of, yeah definitely i mean uh you know so roughly 70 percent of, of people in victoria gamble so just to kind of break it down about 70 percent right. of people in victoria gamble but about 58% of them don't experience an issue with their gambling. Okay. So that 12% actually comes up at about 550,000 people. So the 12% the twelve of people oh, who wow. actually experience an issue with their gambling or who are likely to experience some kind of harm, uh, yeah. whether it's a, a sort of low-risk, moderate-risk, high-risk harm, um, then that, that, that equals about 550,000 people. Now, wow. we know from our numbers that, that in, in terms of the people that are um, in the high-risk category, um, uh, who, people who are experiencing the, more, the most kind of pronounced harms, which is more associated with products like pokies, yeah. um, those people, 90% of them won't seek help. Um, and again, that's about stigma. Uh, that's about uh, people not thinking that they actually have an issue or that their issue isn't as pronounced as it, as it might well be. Yeah. Um, so 
if only 10% of the people in that category are seeking help, um, then that's why it's it's so difficult for us to to reach into the community yeah. and, and get people to help services. What we've recognised is that what we need to do is probably change the way that, that we offer help. So we'll, we'll always continue to offer, you know, bricks and mortar counselling services. Someone goes along to the local service, speaks to a counsellor. But we recognise that, that we need to offer different ways of, for people to, to, to get support. Yeah. Um, and that could be online, it could be uh, apps, it could be uh, telephone, it could be a number of different ways. But that's a big challenge, really, yeah. is getting more people into services. You say that, you know, you have a lot of people, family members of people with the problem contacting partners you know calling you is there is there a way to try and make it publicly known that uh if they're not going to if the person themselves isn't going to say anything it's but somebody knows to encourage people to call on their behalf or you know make contact for them and then have you contact the person with the problem or is that just does that cause for other issues? Well, I mean, it can do. It depends how, I suppose, how sort of sensitively um, you tackle it. And it's it's obviously quite a sensitive issue, like I was mm, saying, you yeah. know, because of stigma, then it, it becomes um, a difficult issue to broach. A lot of what the foundation does is uh, we we uh, spend a lot of time trying to raise awareness through marketing campaigns. Uh, some of our campaigns in the past have looked at or have targeted um, people who are affected by gambling. So yeah. trying to encourage other people to to other people in the family that is other people that, than just the gambler um, to, to seek help obviously you know under 18s young people are not not allowed to gamble yeah. um, but um, we know that, that they are being exposed to uh, in particular through sports betting they're being yeah. exposed to uh, what we kind of call a normalisation of, mm. of sports betting a normalisation of gambling um, messaging <clears throat> and through our campaigns we're able to sort of hopefully reach some of those people make them aware make their parents aware try and educate yeah. people at an earlier age but also make it known that there, there's help available for people who are not the gambler um, yeah. and that that it's confidential, it's free, and it's um, it's in 108 different locations across the state. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned that, that roughly 550,000 people in uh, that's the state of Victoria, or is yes, a, yeah, right. Uh, yeah. So, um, is there a certain age demographic that is uh, more prominent than others in, in that number, or people contacting you out of that four and a half thousand? We certainly know that, um. That there are different uh, age groups which are more attracted to different products. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, in the counselling sessions that I've had with people who experience harm from their gambling, the uh, there's a sort of higher prevalence of older people, in particular right. older women, who yeah. would uh, present with issues with pokies. But that's yeah. not to say that that's the only group that presents with those issues. And we know that um, young males in particular um, experience a lot of issues with sports betting and, and, yeah. and online betting. I mean, you just need to sit on a, on a train. I get the train to work every day and, mm. you know, you're sat there and there's there's a young guy next to you and he's, he's quite often on his phone. And I've you know, had this the other day on the train on the way home and they're, you know, two young guys on the way back from work and they're, they're on their phones looking at sort of um, a sports betting app yeah. and they're talking about odds and they're putting $10 on, another $10 yeah. on, you know, and it's just, that's that's part of what we're kind of up against yes. is the prevalence and how easy yeah. it is, you know. And one big thing I've, like, I find, especially for young guys, it's so social, like yeah. going to the races or going, you know, watching the footy with mates, having a bet, yeah. it's such a social thing. Like I still have friends that, you know, the, the gambling is kind of the centre point of your yeah. your getting together uh, for a catch up. So yeah, yeah. I can I can totally imagine and understand why someone would struggle to break away because if you're going to admit you have a problem in that group of friends, 
uh, you kind of not going to be able to hang out with them. You yeah. will, but they're going to all still be gambling. You know, it's 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 a really hard thing to break out of. And, and yeah. the other thing you were mentioning with the elderly ladies and poker machines, it seems like that's a common. Everybody knows that in Australia. Like if you <laughs> ask anybody, you know, you go into an RSL or a club in the middle mm. of the day, and that's what you see. I, I find it amazing that we've no, like I've known this since I was a kid. Mm. That, that was how, but uh, that it still happens. Like that, um, yeah, yeah. That it's just everybody's just like, yeah, that's. That's how it is. Yeah. Oh, well, well yeah. I've had a few clients who, who I suppose are kind of um uh symptomatic of that of that sort of category, you know, that sort yeah. of cohort. And quite often it's people who um who need somewhere safe to go. Yeah. Um who need somewhere uh, certainly in the winter, although it doesn't really compare to European or Scottish <laughs> yeah. winters, but yeah. who need somewhere safe to uh, to be, uh, somewhere warm, somewhere where there's free tea and coffee, somewhere that's welcoming, yeah. where people are, know their name. Um, you know, it's it's a local venue. It's yeah. really close to their house, um, and so a lot of those factors sort of combine to make it the easier option. Mm. Um, and you know, quite a lot, quite often, certainly near where I live, there's um, there, there are buses that come in pick people up and drop yeah, them off you know absolutely. and it's, it makes it so much easier you know five dollar roast lunches exactly all, yeah, yeah yeah so it's it's sort of um it it helps the environment the environment certainly helps um but that's but, that is purposely created yeah yeah, gamble, yeah, right? yeah yeah of course yeah, yeah i mean that's that's there to sort of induce people to yeah. to gamble um i mean certainly with the younger age group um what we are beginning to find out uh, through i mean that the foundation conducts a lot of research every every year where we have a number of different research um, projects that are being released and we've done quite a bit of research on young people and, and gambling and young people in sports betting um, and the impact on young men and we're carrying out a project just now that looks at the the impact of, of alcohol and, and gambling in, in, in sports sort of venues right. um, but what we know is we know that I mean even unprompted sort of I think 75% so three quarters of, of 8 to 16 year olds can, um, can sort of unprompted can can mention one sports betting company and my kids are the same yeah. you know they'll watch AFL and they'll they'll know the names of the, yep. the sports betting companies you know um, sometimes more so than they know the names of the players so yeah, scary, yeah that's a big a big concern yeah and and I can just imagine how easy it would be for young people like say an older brother that's over 18 or a parent to set up because you can there's no number on, limit on how many accounts you can have there's various yeah. sports betting and you could just set one up for a child and just give them the password. There's yeah. like there's nothing stopping that. It's just, yeah, yeah, just exactly. Yeah. Well, we've had we've had people come to gamblers help services before who who've come as affected others. So I've had people who are parents and affected others. Yeah. And the the person who's been gambling has been their child who's used their credit card right. um, and maybe use a credit card in different ways that we would normally consider to be gambling. So for example, uh, skin betting um, on, right. um, on games. Yeah. Um, there's a kind of, there, there has been a big sort of industry around that. Um, and then just gambling on, on the outcome of, on, of some, some games, you know, games on gaming is now becoming fairly, fairly wow. widespread. There's a channel on TV for it now, you know, so um, there's a, there's a whole sort of industry around that as well, but it's, it's just, it's that the number of different ways that that are available to gamble uh, are increasing all the mm-hmm. time, um, yeah. and and we need to be able to respond to that. Yeah, and do do you because uh, this is Victorian Parliament, yeah, created this agency. Do you, as the numbers grow, of people calling, do you get more funding and more staff to combat that? 
So we've had a block of funding over um, over the first four years of our of our existence um, as a statutory authority. So that was uh, 2017 to well the the end of next year. Sorry, is the yeah. end of our funding uh, cycle. That's a, a, we get a, a, um, a fixed block of funding for that period, and we have a, about 55 staff here. Um, right. But we fund gamblers help services. That's what we use a lot of our funding for, and uh, a lot of it's for research, a lot of it's for marketing campaigns, a lot of it's for prevention and early intervention um, but a, a huge chunk of it is, is to fund gamblers help services so yeah. so that people are able to get get support um, that hasn't changed over time and just to give you an indication of, of kind of what we're what we're kind of up against so the funding amount that we received for our four-year period um, was almost identical to the to the same amount that that the gambling industry spent in six months of advertising just for sports betting wow. um, in 2016 so that's increasing <laughs> as well so that kind of gives you an, an, an idea of, yeah. of you know <laughs> the kind of David and Goliath absolutely <laughs> yeah is there, is there one particular uh, type of betting that is far outweighs the rest is sport bet or like horse racing the number one uh, issue that people are calling uh, so probably pokies uh, really it's, yeah so pokies yeah. Is, is where the most harm is, okay. is situated yeah. so people who uh, who find it difficult to control their their pokies playing yeah. are the people who struggle uh, most and who who actually experience the most the most harm. Right. Um, so that could be harms like uh, bankruptcy or yeah. relationship breakdown, anything to do with sort of family and relationship um, issues, which a lot of our counsellors see all the time. They are the kind of more extreme end of harms. Yeah. The other end, right down the other end, maybe right at the start, is when people sort of start to feel maybe regret. Or start right. to recognise that they shouldn't have done that, or yeah. I wish I hadn't done that, and that's usually that kind of niggling sort of sensation is 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 the kind of uh, the start of when people might begin to experience some harms. Okay. Um, but really, it's pokies is where the most harm is is, is situated, um, and then I think uh, it sort of goes down to sort of wagering and, and sports betting. Sort yeah. of after that, certainly the most prevalent type of gambling in 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 uh, in Australia and in Victoria is. Um, uh, is raffles and and lotto and so lot ah, lottery is the number one and then raffles yeah. and sweeps but a lot of people don't really see lottery as gambling yeah. you know when you talk to people they're like yeah that's Let's put my numbers on yeah, yeah yeah it's just it's not really seen as gambling at all you're listening to taking it easy with daniel connell so we've talked about all the different issues people can face uh, once a person contacts gambler's help what are the chances they'll beat the problem they've got so um the issue with gambling is that it's uh, relapse uh, is mm. always not always but very often present right. um so unlike some other addictions gambling is what we call a chronically relapsing condition um, which means that um when people approach a gambler's help service there's quite a good chance that um they'll they'll get what they need but then there's also a chance that they uh, will stop treatment uh, and they'll come back again maybe six months later, a year later, two years okay. later. Uh, so it's not it's not the case that where you might go to see uh, your GP and say that you know that you suffer from depression, for example, which is a, a, a comorbid issue with gambling, which means that it occurs very frequently with gambling. Okay. But quite often people would go to their GP and then they would be um, prescribed 
10 sessions or six sessions with a, a with a therapist with a psychologist yeah. um, and quite often that that could tackle the issue in the short term uh, with gambling it's quite often different it can it can come back it can um it can sort of uh, get under someone's skin and it can kind of you know the, the, yeah. that kind of urge to gamble can reoccur six months after treatment a year after treatment so and again stigma plays a huge part in in mm. treatment because people will quite often seek treatment they'll come for one session two sessions um and then maybe their gambling might subside a little bit and then they won't go back right i think um, it's, it's yeah. sorted yeah. they'll think it's sorted it's the same yeah. with you know when people take a, um you know your doctor gives you a, a, a prescription for um antibiotics that's the one. yeah <laughs> yeah so the doctor gives you a prescription for antibiotics and you don't take them all yeah you know it's quite often the same with gambling treatment people you know people go for two or three sessions and then they don't finish the, right. don't finish the course and for, for anyone out there that might be listening to this uh that thinks they may have a problem what's the process once once you make that first contact um what's this process from then on so the process would be that you would um, you would you, well, there's a number of different ways that you can make that first contact. But once you've made contact, you would be put in touch with your local service. Yeah. Uh, so we've got um, services right across the state. Um, like I said earlier, there's over a hundred different locations that Gamblers Help Services are at. We have um, we've got four Aboriginal specific services that we fund. Yeah. Uh, we've got seven services that 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 are designed specifically for people um, in culturally and linguistically diverse communities. So uh, services in Arabic, Chinese, uh, Vietnamese. So all over the state, these services exist. Once somebody contacts them, then they'll be given uh, an appointment uh, with a counsellor. Um, and we also have financial counsellors. So for people who just want to talk about how gambling is impacting their um, their finances and maybe experiencing harm in that way, then they can see a financial counsellor. Um, usually there's uh, not a significant wait time. So it's usually right. you can get in to see somebody, you know, within, within a few weeks. Yeah. Um, and the important thing to note about our services is that they're free. They're, they're yeah, free and they're, yeah. they're ongoing. So somebody can go and see a counsellor for one session, 10 sessions, 20 sessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can take their partner with them. They can um, uh, they can they can be seen in a huge number of locations. So that's kind of the process that you would go through a sort of initial yeah. assessment. Somebody would ask you about any other issues that you might have, like um, uh, if you're seeing a doctor for anything else, you're you know taking any other medication, um, and then um, you would be allocated a, a counsellor. Okay. Yeah. Do you, do you work much with the other states around Australia, uh, like on finding out ways to improve that process? Yeah, yeah. So the, the foundation um, is uh, is really keen uh, to work with anybody that can help, essentially. So uh, we work with governments, we work with um, other agencies within um, the sort of broader sector. And by the broader sector, I mean, we know that uh, there are a number of different issues which are, uh, which are there with gambling. So, for example, um, it's very rare to find someone who's just a gambler. So quite often there'll be uh, a drug and alcohol issue or mm-hmm. uh, a family violence issue or a mental health issue. Um, either um, historically or 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 now um, and so we work with those agencies as well because they're quite often seeing the same clients as, as we would be seeing but we also work with with other states and territories so uh, fortunately for Victoria we have um, uh, the sort of the, the a very well developed um, and well funded um, uh, foundation that, that funds gamblers help some of the other t- states and territories we work with to, uh, for example, uh, work on a, a national conference uh, that, that we plan every two years. Uh, we work with them on uh, the national helpline. So the national helpline um, is run from Victoria, but it's a, it's for every state and territory. 
Um, and it also has a gambling help online, which is an online service yeah. as part of that. So that's a, a, a national contract that all of the states and territories feed into. So yeah. we, we work with them on that. And we also do as much as we can to work uh, internationally. So uh, work with partners in New Zealand. Uh, New, Z- New Zealand Problem Gambling Foundation um, is a, a, a partner of ours and, and then other organisations in, in, other, in other countries like Canada and yeah. the UK. It, from from within your organisation and speaking to others, is, is there a? I've, I've always wondered this with the government. You know, government is getting money. You know, gambling agencies have to pay taxes and imagine quite high, so the government's getting a lot of money from that. Mm. And the revenue from things such as like horse racing day, Melbourne Cup, the, the revenue that brings into the the state is huge. You know, is there a, is there a frustration from within uh, the group that maybe is is the government doing? All that they can, or do you feel like they could do more? Yeah, uh, um, I think it's it's a it's an ongoing challenge, definitely. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I think something that that we are we are really keen to do is to work with, like I said, anybody who can help. Yeah. Um, so we know that when when we know what what gambling agencies are doing, mm. uh, and we work with them to try and understand what their uh, tactics are, what their motivations are, what their next steps are going to be. When we can understand that, then then we can provide better objective policy advice to government. Yeah. Um, so it's really our role to try and understand um, not just who's affected by the harm, uh, but all of the different stakeholders out there. So that might be, like I mentioned, other other agencies that, that work with um, uh, people experiencing similar problems, or it might be gambling agencies themselves. Yeah. Uh, so part of what they do with us is, is um, allow us access to venues. Uh, we we have a programme called the Responsible Service of Gaming Training um, that our venue support workers run mm-hmm. and that's really uh, to make sure that people who are working in venues are aware of the potential harms from gambling yeah. and so we have that access through the gambling industry. Um, I think the view that, that we take um, is that, you know, Everybody's part of this. Everybody's in this together, and mm. we need to try and um, come up with a sort of uh, a solution that that works for everybody. Yeah. Um, similar with you know, for example, um, the, the food industry. You know that the government works with the food industry um, to to regulate it to to ensure that people are aware of you know harmful foods and high sugar content, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, I think it's it's. It's not identical, but it's it's similar in some yeah, respects yeah. because um, we are at least at least if we are working with the gambling industry, we understand what they're doing and we're able to yeah. um, convey that to to government. And do all all the different agencies, all the different betting companies, casinos, do they have a direct contact with you? Know, like so they they um, they participate in uh, Responsible Gambling Awareness Week every year. Uh, they participate in Responsible Gambling Messaging. Um, we have uh, one dedicated staff member who, who works uh, with industry, so it's, it's his role to engage with industry um, and to meet with industry as, as often as possible. Um, a number of different agencies that you mentioned have their own uh, Responsible Gambling Officers, okay. um, and they're the people that, that we speak to about about trying to ensure that they have the correct messaging on any of their marketing materials, or um, that they have that their staff are aware of yeah. of the harms associated, and that they're not just focusing on uh, gambling as an entertainment, but they're mm. also aware of um, the other side of it that, that, that there is potential harm. Yeah, uh, people are at risk. The best, the thing that sums up gambling versus the you know that power struggle to David Goliath you mentioned that is ads. Is you'll see the ad, it'll just. You know the boy. You know those. The boys are back in town playing in the background, and you know you've escaped from the family to look at the phone on the toilet. The screen mm-hmm. lights your face up. 
does all that, makes it look amazing, and then it'll just have the quickest gamble responsibly little thing at the end. That, yeah. For me, that 1% at the end sums up yeah. the entire sort of struggle. Yeah, as a, as a struggle. And look, you know, the, the, the ads that you mentioned are um, – that's an area that that we know is 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 a, a target audience mm. for 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 the gambling industry um, to to look at young men um, and to like we were saying earlier to normalise that experience so that you when you go out with your friends when you're you know mm. you're out sort of on a, a Friday or Saturday night that the gambling is is seen as a, a normal part of that yeah. and it's really our role to say well actually no it, it, it mm. isn't a normal part of that and actually just uh, going out with your mates and having a nice time with your mates without gambling is that's what normal yeah. life is, you yeah. know, um, and it, we're actually seeing an increase in that with 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 young women as well. Um, right. That you know that, that that's a growing audience where um, uh, you know if young men are out, then young women are going to be out, yeah. and you know so there's there's sort of there's, there's a target there as well to sort yeah. of try and include them. Yeah, I remember when I was yeah nineteen twenty going out with friends, and you know I'd be off, we'd be playing pool or snooker in a bar, and I'd be I'd be gone every five minutes missing yeah. shots because I'd be running out to the TAB to, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and they'd always give me a bit of shit about it. And yeah. now looking back on that, like I do, I much prefer going out now with friends where you can just sit down and yeah. know, watch some sport without gambling and just have a chat yeah, about exactly. life. Well, that's one of the, the things that I've heard in counselling quite a lot. Um, I've heard this this phrase, the right rite of passage, you know, this, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, this idea that when you're 18 or 19, then you know, you'll, you'll go to a casino or you'll go gambling yeah. or you'll go, you know, it'll be something that you're legally allowed to do, you exactly, know, like yeah. kids don't really talk about the right of passage when it comes yeah. to voting, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that, you know, but it's gambling is where it's sort of focused. Yeah. And, and then you, yeah, you can drink then as well. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mixing the alcohol in, you make it. Well, exactly. Yeah. Everybody knows your judgment's impaired. You're more yeah. likely to do things that you might not necessarily yeah. have done otherwise, yeah. you know, so. hundred dollars. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, so you're in charge of the the, the training of staff yeah. um, within this uh, agency. Uh, people that you've trained, do you find many people uh, have come from maybe they were once a caller to the agency and have come through and now wanting to help people? Do you get many? So the 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 uh, traditionally what we've we've looked at uh, doing is training our gamblers help staff. So making sure that our gamblers help staff are um, you know sufficiently um, able to. Uh, to work with gamblers and are aware of all the different issues that might be around for gamblers. So talking to them about harm, talking to them about addiction, talking to them about different ways of of intervening. But what we uh, are increasingly recognising over the past few years is, like I was saying earlier, that there's, um, there's a number of different other issues that are attendant with gambling. And so it's our role really to try and make sure that the, the broader sector, the broader community, so anybody out there who might be seeing somebody who has a gambling issue, we need to provide them with training um, on uh, you know the, the different treatment modalities, for example, or the best way to to have a conversation with somebody, or yeah. uh, if you think one of your friends is gambling, you know, then the best way to have a conversation with mm. them. So providing training on that. But a large part of our training is changing. So it's it's changing from just face to face. We're trying to deliver a lot of stuff online because yeah. you know we recognise there's you know it's maybe not the biggest state in Australia, but it's still pretty big. It's oh, difficult for people to, yeah. to get to get into services, you know. So there's a lot of rural and regional areas where it's difficult for people to get to services mm-hmm. and we're training people on um how to access online help. Um, and then, like I mentioned, we have a conference every two years, which is this August in Geelong, um, and that's uh, part of professional development for our for our sector and for the broader sector as right. well. Yeah, um, we, we were talking earlier. We touched on it. Um, you know, taking programs to schools, getting kids when they're in year ten, eleven, twelve. Mm. Uh, I've thought about this as well. I, I remember when I was 
uh, I was about 14, 15, and it was just before we were allowed to get our L licenses, our learners, and some police came in, about two or three officers came into my school and talked about safe driving and told us some horrible situations that mm. they'd seen. And I, I remember that just stuck with me. Mm-hmm. It was just tattooed to my brain still now what they said that day. <laughs> I, I've always made sure I've driven, you know, responsibly. Mm. Um, I, yeah, so you're, you're running programs within schools. I just think yeah. getting that into a kid's head at, say, 13 or 14 is just so important and giving them, you know, not scaring them too much but giving them some situ- you know, examples of what, could happen. Yeah. Uh, is that what you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have, uh, through our prevention team, we've got a couple of different programs, a uh, schools program and a sporting clubs program. So the schools program does just that. It sort of it tries to uh, embed partly within curriculum, so yeah. partly within sort of health, humanities, uh, literacy, numeracy, um, through year 10, 11 and 12. Uh, ideas about gambling, ideas about risk, ideas about uh, harm associated with it, ideas about um, you know what the different gambling products are and, and, yeah. and how people use them. Um, so the idea really is to, uh, is to tackle it in a, a number of different ways. So one way that you mentioned, which is that kind of, um, uh, the kind of shocking sort of, you know, yeah. give people sort of shocking stories. Mm. And that's kind of worked quite well, I think, in, oh, in, in the past yeah. few decades. You know, yeah, things like, um, you know, sex education and, and mm. drug and alcohol education in schools. Um, one of the things <clears throat> I know that as a counsellor and, and working in a community organisation, when we used to go to schools, quite often what schools would say is, well, you can't talk about gambling because you'll make them want to gamble, <laughs> you know. Right. And that's kind of how it was, I think, for years with drugs and with alcohol yeah. and with sex education. And I think we need to give kids a bit more credit. You know, kids yeah. are a bit more intelligent than we, than we sometimes give them credit <laughs> for. And um, actually some of the schools that I've gone and I've spoken to them about um they've made the link themselves between uh, gam- gambling and maybe sitting on your iPad and all the yeah. different messaging popping up. Oh, yeah. um, so they've talked about that themselves. They've, they've made those links. But really it's about giving kids not exposure to gambling per se, but giving them, um, exposing them to um, how to have a conversation about gambling without it being embarrassing, without it being um, shameful. So that trying yeah. to destigmatize from that sort of earlier age. Um, yeah. So that's that's a large part of what our uh, schools program does in the prevention space. Yeah, and it's I find it's more scarier now uh, for kids that age than it was when I was that age because there was, there was no apps, there was nothing like if, yeah. if you gambled. Uh, or knew of gambling when I was a teenager. It was because your f- your parents did, or right. your family did, mm-hmm. uh, or, or any you know a lot of kids didn't know about horse racing or anything. But now the kids who still don't know about horse racing or family has never gambled might play basketball, and you know NBA is one yeah. of the popular things that people gamble on. You know t- might play tennis, and, mm-hmm. and you, you come into it that way. That's mm-hmm. the sort of entry into gambling and it just leads to you know horse yeah, racing and yeah, everything else exactly there's that but there's also I think there's there's a whole load of I mean you know kids I've got kids I've got uh, young boys and they're um, they're probably more computer literate than me you know there's yeah. more sort of um, they, they know their way around sort of the app store they know their way around sort of uh, various different apps and stuff but one of the things I've noticed when the apps that they, they look at is a lot of them have simulated, simulated gambling um, on them so a lot of them are not, not actually gambling apps but, but yeah. ones where uh, for example it'll, it'll uh, simulate a gambling experience mm. and you know that in itself kind of prepares kids it gets them ready for that point in their life when yeah. they're 18 when they're actually 
um, allowed to gamble. Yeah. But the problem when kids hit 18 is that between the ages of 18 and 24, from a sort of uh, a neurological perspective, they're, you're, you're not you're not fully able to process consequences because mm. the, the frontal lobe of is your brain, um, yeah, so the, the part of your brain that, that, that processes risk, that processes consequences, is the prefrontal cortex. Right. Um, and that, that unfortunately, um, the way that our brains develop is from the back to the front. And the back is where everything uh, primitive is, and when all your instincts and your yeah. urges and your drives are. Uh, your pleasure centres and things like that. And at the front is is your executive function. So that's where you think about, if I do this, this will happen. Um, and that develops late. And usually by the t- age of 24, it's developed. But the problem is that, that between the ages of 18 and 24, you've got a whole group of people out there who are legally adults, mm. uh, but not neurologically equipped to calculate risk, yeah. which is why, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you would get um, credit card companies targeting that age group yeah. um, because they'd go and spend the money and not worry about it. Someone else will pay it back, mum and dad, yeah. whoever, you know. It's funny you um, that. But now gambling, that's that's a large part of what goes on with gambling. 18-year-olds yeah. are legally allowed to gamble, but they don't really uh, they don't really care about the consequences. Mm. Yeah, that was the 18 to 24 was when I had my yeah. issue. I stopped at 25. <laughs> yeah. I, I never yeah. knew that about the... Yeah, yeah, totally yeah. makes sense. Yeah, now yeah. I look at you know money is so precious. So, you know, yeah, I exactly. I definitely yeah. didn't think that back then. If I'd make you know eight hundred dollars a week. I'd you know five hundred of it would be mm-hmm. down at the Ginderbine Bowling Club where I was living <laughs> at the time. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, do you do you think the the general public as a whole understand how big the problem is within Victorian community and Australian community? Do you think? Well, I think there's different attitudes in the public. I think the public have got an idea that um, that increasingly, I think they are becoming frustrated with the number of sports betting um, uh, adver- advertisements, um, yeah. uh, in particular in, in sports games. I mean, like I said, my, my kids are at school and I talk to other parents at school and, you know, you have a barbecue, people are around at the weekend and they're, oh God, there's so many adverts on TV, mm. you know, and I can't watch the game, you know, and there's like a, every five minutes there's an advert. and yeah. So I think people are aware of that. They're aware of the kind of saturation of advertising. Um, I think the... The other issue is um, how that translates into harm. Mm. Um, and that's, I think, where um, we've got a big part to play um, is is to try and educate people that, that gambling, um, when somebody's really fully uh, gripped in uh, in an addiction and, and they're really um, unable to uh, switch off those urges, then it's not actually a personal choice. Um, it's not something that, that somebody can just, well, I'll just give it a miss today. It's something uh, that you're compelled to do yeah. um, by the nature of any addiction. And so I think that's the bit that's that, that a lot of people get, but some people don't. Yeah. Um, and when people don't get it, then there's this sort of attitude that, well, it's personal responsibility mm-hmm. and it's up to the individual. Yeah. When actually... Um, it's not, and it's compounded by the number of saturated messages that that individual who's not able to make that choice is bombarded with on a yeah. daily basis. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's almost you, you'd like to see the age change to twenty five. The, the gambling <laughs> legal gambling age to twenty five would make a bit of a difference. I'm sure it would. I think that'd be a difficult one to get through. Though. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it started. We'll, we'll start it <laughs> through this podcast. Yeah. Um, like if if anybody was listening to this podcast today uh, with an issue, what what would you say to them? Like, would just would you encourage them to get through that first step and make the call, or go online and make contact? So you know there are so many different ways that people can get help, um, but I think um, recognizing in themselves that, that that something something might 
you know, you might need some help, you might need some support, mm. um, is a huge step. Mm. Um, not even uh, going as far as recognising it publicly, mm-hmm. and that's the next step, but but recognising it in your in yourself first. Yeah. Um, but coupled with that is recognising that there might be something that I need some support with, and there's support out there. Mm. So it's really important that people understand that there's support there and that it's free and that it's it's right across the state yeah. and it's 24-7. Mm. So picking up the phone, if that's the easiest way to do it, go and see a counsellor. Um, and this is coming from a counsellor can quite often mm. be difficult. And, um, you know, it's quite confronting sitting in front of someone and telling telling them about your all your issues. Yeah. Um, so because of that, there's so many different ways that people can do it. Now they can speak to someone on the phone, they can go online and just have a, a bit of a uh, have a look at our website and have a look at some of the tools that are available on that but gambling help online as well um, and actually just understand from that maybe that's enough for me just now or yeah. maybe actually I need to take it a step further yeah. um, but it, it's a it's a huge step it's really brave for people mm. to do that to recognise that they have that um, need to get that support but it's the first step to recovery yeah uh, do, you, do you find when you have people call with an issue is it because I found um, having another, because you know I was all engrossed by horse racing, like that was my mm-hmm. week. I'd, when the fields would come out, I'd get the Friday paper. Mm-hmm. I'd pick all my horses and go and bet on a Saturday. Then I'd bet on golf and footy. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you find? Um, I, and I know once I started comedy, doing stand up, that was another. It took my mind away from that, and mm-hmm. I had something else to focus on. Is there a lot of that? Like in your, in your when you meet with people, just finding another outlet where you can focus your mind on something take your mind off the horse racing you know yeah definitely yeah i mean passion so yeah to speak. so alternative activities play a big part in, mm. in recovery i think um not just with gambling but with with a number of other addictions um <clears throat> it's important for people to uh, be able to replace not replace one addiction with another but replace uh, uh, an activity with another um, yeah. so for quite a lot of people gambling like you've just described gambling is it's you know it's their life it's everything mm. they do it's their social life it's yeah. their um, a social circle it's where their friends are um, but also it's maybe what they think they're good at and it's maybe what they enjoy mm. it's when it gets to that point where it's not enjoyable um, that, that you need to uh, think about replacing it with other activities so that's definitely something that we would talk to people about in, in counselling that if you came to see a gambler's help counsellor people would maybe focus on your strengths as well yeah. focus on well what you're good at other than gambling what, what do you enjoy what yeah. do you what do you get something out of and then trying to make a plan for somebody to focus more uh time in their week on, on on doing those things yeah 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 i found once i took that focus away from it and focused on something else and mm. uh, i didn't i didn't seek help i i was totally you know a bit of shame of the situation ashamed mm-hmm. of the situation i was in so i just sort of went cold turkey and i was quite lucky i mm-hmm. definitely had moments six months into that and a year into that where I felt like I needed to bet mm-hmm. and I'd have horrible nightmares where I'd had a bet and I'd jump up in the middle of the night and check my wallet to see if there were any yeah. tickets in there and things like that. But, um, yeah, as time goes on, you sort of get through that first year, two years and mm-hmm. like I, I, my dad still loves a bet and I can sit in a TAB with him mm-hmm. for a day and I don't have the the urge at all. So mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely possible. That's one thing you think where, you know, you – you have this fear of missing out with um, mm. gambling. Like, you, you, you know, if your friends are doing it and you're, you're doing it all the time, you think, oh, what if this jockey rides three winners or what if this team wins? I was going to bet on that. You know, you always have this fear of missing out and you want to be involved in it. But mm-hmm. once you can sort of break away from that, it's, mm-hmm. it's just sort of getting your, your head clear yeah. and, and thinking that life is still possible and yeah, you actually yeah. don't need that in your life. Where yeah. when, I, when I first stopped, I did, you know, I thought, Mm-hmm. I need it, you know. I need 
mm-hmm. to know what's going on in the racing world and mm-hmm. yeah and that, I think that can tap into um, a whole load of different things the need to be aware of what's going on the need to not miss out like you've said yeah. um, that that can tap into a whole lot of different things um, but I think having uh, alternative activities like you've described and having um, strong relationships having having people in your life that yeah. that um, maybe don't necessarily know explicitly that, that that's what the issue is um, but that who are there for you and who, who you know who are people that you can go to when you've got a gambling issue uh, people you can talk to that talk to them about that but like I said maybe if it's not that maybe if it's just someone you go and play golf with or someone you go for walks with or someone yeah. you know you, you do other uh, activities with I think people need that sort of support network um, in order to get through it Excellent well thanks very much for taking it easy with me today Tony it's been uh, fantastic so if anybody does have an issue they can obviously go to uh, responsiblegambling.vic.gov.au and check out there and the phone number is uh, 1-800-858-858 if anybody wanted, wants to chat to me about this uh, I can put you in contact with Tony as well just contact me on my website but that's about it thanks very much for taking it easy with me thanks Daniel cheers no worries thanks for listening As we mentioned there, if you'd like to get in touch with the Victorian Responsible Gambling Foundation, go to www.responsiblegambling.vic.gov.au or call 1-800-858-858. Now, that number is also Australia-wide if you're in another state. So that's 1-800-858-858. You can call that number from anywhere in the country. There's also a Gambler's Help Youth Line, which is 1-800-262-376. That's uh, for the youth. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends. And if you haven't already subscribed, please do that on iTunes. Give it a rating or leave a comment. That'd be nice. Uh, if you know people that don't have iTunes, send them to my website, danielconnell.com.au, uh, and check the podcast section. Uh, you can also check out my upcoming stand-up shows under gigs. I'm currently touring with my new show, Bit of Shush, uh, around like Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney. Uh, and finally, check out my Facebook page, Daniel Connell Comedy. Give it a like. Cheers. Take it easy. See you next time.